When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. I am Ben Bolin. And I'm Scott Benjamin. And today we're going to talk about something that has doubtlessly occurred to every single car driver, not only in the United States, Scott, but on the planet Earth. Wow. Bold statement. What is it? It's uh, it's it's the service mileage milestones, mm. like the maintenance milestones. Oh, I got it. It's so like the 30,000, the 60,000, 90,000, 120, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. What's, what's the deal with that? Because we, we've seen before that there can be fact and fiction in uh, your local mechanic garage, depending on the ethics of that mechanic. Oh, there's quite a bit of fiction out there, too. And I want to, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely talk about some fiction later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is all about, um, I don't know how just mileage in general. Like, how long can you expect your car to last? Some of the, the right. top mileage that uh, that some individuals have achieved with their cars. Oh right? yeah, the world record. We'll talk about that. Too. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we'll talk about you know uh, a little bit of preventative maintenance versus reactive repair type stuff. And uh, and you know what what you should be watching besides the oil level in your car. Just just mentioning some of these things along the way. This is kind of a catch-all mileage podcast. And, yeah, and we can also point out uh, some stuff about the way mileage can affect the selling price of your car. You know, what? for some reason, of course, people will say uh, 59,000 miles on your car will make a significant price difference versus 60,000 hmm. just cuz that's one of the tipping points. Interesting. Okay, I've heard the same for, you know, between 95,000 and 100,000. You top that 100,000 mark, yeah. Suddenly you feel like you should get rid of it, but it's probably not going to be worth as much on the used lot, that type of thing. Right. Uh oh, you know what other we, what? other thing we should talk about is um severe versus normal use. Oh, we should talk about that first. I because think. uh because I think a lot of people have questions about what, you know, when you look in your owner's manual or mm-hmm. in your your uh, service manual. Some people have the service manual, which is, uh, oh, by the way, good for you if you do, because it's yeah. something you have to purchase in addition to the owner's manual. It's something you should purchase in addition to your yeah, owner's I know, manual. And, and the price can be a, a little bit uh, daunting, I guess. You can pick them up at you know the auto parts store, yeah. uh, 30 bucks, something like that. But if you order it through the dealership, it can be you know, like $50, $60, $70, wow. $80 or more. And you know, a lot of them now come on CD, so you know that's a... 
Or DVD, I should say. You know, I'm, or Blu-ray. Yeah, or Blu-ray. Yeah, I don't know if there's a Blu-ray. I don't know, probably not yet. Service manual, but maybe. Um, either way, you know, if you're looking through that for your maintenance schedule mm-hmm. for your vehicle, you're going to find that there is a normal and a severe uh, rating, I guess, for severe service, normal service. And you may have some questions as to, you know, what what's normal versus what's severe. Because you think, well, I'm not really, you know, plowing snow with my truck or I'm not... Right. Um, I'm not using my car to haul any kind of heavy loads or towing or anything sure, like that. Sure, I don't I don't do the getaways for bank robberies anymore or whatever. <laughs> whatever <laughs> the case may be. Something like that. Yeah, so there's uh there's you know everybody has their own uh, their own situation. And it's on, right? it's weird. I'm glad we're talking about this because another thing is strange is if you drive uh your vehicle the same way every week, you know, you do the same stuff and we all kind of do with our vehicles, then it starts to appear normal for you. And it's very easy to lose perspective on what is strict versus normal maintenance. That's right. So there's severe, there's normal. And, and you would be surprised to, uh, you know, when you think about these points that I'm going to, I'm going to mention here, you'd be surprised what constitutes severe usage of a vehicle. And, uh, you know, it depends on where you go. There's a lot of different sites that will carry this information that kind of tell you or point you in the right direction if you are a severe use or severe schedule mm-hmm. person for your for your maintenance, or you should be a severe schedule. Well, you know you know what I mean, Ben. Absolutely. All right. So there's uh, a few points, and, and this is the key to this. If you answer yes to any one of these questions, that means that your vehicle is subjected to severe use. Choose wisely, my All friends. Right. So are most of your trips less than four miles? Are most of your trips less than 10 miles and outside temperatures are below freezing? Right there, that that uh, that sets a lot of people off because you know they live close to work, yeah. and the temperatures at some point during the year go below freezing. Right, mm-hmm. even here in Atlanta, they go below freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, is the engine um, at low speed most of the time? You know, meaning you're not on highways right all the time. So if you take smaller roads to and from work, uh, you're a severe use user. Your your vehicle is subjected to severe use. Um, do you operate your vehicle in dusty areas? That's such a weird, who drives in a clean room? Well, you know what? We drive in uh, heavy, heavy pollen here yep. in the south. Which counts. It really does count because that clogs up air filters and it clogs up all the uh, the filters that, that mm-hmm. uh, no, you know, you get the idea. Yeah. Um, do you regularly carry heavy loads like a lift or a, a, like a or tow a trailer or a, even, a, even a car top carrier, Ben, counts as ca- carrying a heavy load? Wow. Um, is there a lot of stop and go driving on your trip to and from work? Of course. Do you, do you drive in very hot or very cold weather? Um, there's another site that has, you know, 10 more of these things. Ben. All right. And, hit me. I and, like these. No, you do. Okay. So yeah, some of these, some of these are doubled up, but they come from site. This next one comes from a site that does oil changes. That's their, their profession. It's okay. the Jiffy Lube site. Oh. So you can imagine that they're a little more apt to say that, yeah, you're, you're subjecting yourself to severe <laughs> use. But, um, again, do you drive in stop and go traffic, hot or cold temperatures? Mm-hmm. How about um, at prolonged higher engine speeds? So, uh, so yeah. this, I mean, okay, this goes. You can't win. You can't win. You're right. I mean, smaller roads, yes. You drive at prolonged high speeds on the highways, yes. You're in severe use. This is like those. Uh, this is sort of like those uh, do-it-yourself medical quizzes that are designed to make you feel like you have a terminal disease. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No matter what you do, you've you, you're right. This pill will fix you. Do you. Are you sometimes tired, and then other times you're like awake? <laughs> It's like uh, anything you've seen about allergies. Like, do you have allergies? Uh, do you do you breathe ever? Yeah. <laughs> because, um, all right. So here's another one. Multiple yeah. cold startups each day. 
I think yeah. a lot of people do that. How sure. about extensive engine idling? So not even if you're not even driving. You're just in a traffic jam and you're just sitting in your <laughs> exactly car in the right. parking lot. I mean, so you get the, oh, mountainous terrain is another one. Yeah. Um, all of these things, you know, point towards severe maintenance schedules and they make a big difference in how, and the frequency of when you're suggested to have your oil changed. Right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, other maintenance as well, but oil sure. change is the big one, I guess. So, uh, do you want to get into the oil change debate right now? Because we've talked about it before. I, I guess we can a little bit. I can give you three examples here from the same site that says uh, the difference between severe and normal use as far as frequency goes. Okay. All yeah. right. So um, 2003 Honda Accord 2.4 liter, mm-hmm. normal service. You would go every 12 months or 10,000 miles. That's when they suggest. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. A severe service would cut that in half, six months or, or 5,000 miles. Same with uh, 2005 Ford F-150. You know, normal service is 5,000 miles, so that's not very often, but uh, severe service would be three months or 3,000 miles. So that's kind of what, that's what every oil change place recommends is three, three months. Yeah, three months, 3,000 miles. Yeah. Um, here, here's another one, um, another one that cuts it in half pretty much. Uh, the, the 2004 Chevrolet Trailblazer, normal service would be 12 months or 7,500 miles. That's Wow. It's not bad, right? Not for, bad for at a all. Big truck, right? Yeah. And, uh, severe service would be three months or 3,000 miles. So most people are operating already under the idea that I should change my oil under the severe maintenance schedule. Yeah. And, uh, again, severe is a weird word because people don't typically think of their car activity as severe. However, you're probably running into these conditions or at least some of them on a fairly regular basis. Nothing bad is going to happen to your car if you change the oil every 3,000 miles. And I'm going to add to that and check the other vital fluids because that's what happens when you go in for a standard oil change. You check the vital fluids and vital fluids are engine oil, coolant. Mm -hmm. Um, Believe it or not, washer fluid is on your one of the vital fluids. Uh, power steering, mm-hmm. automatic trans fluid, brake, Brakes. brake fluid. Yeah. yeah, you got it. So, um, you know, in addition to all that, you know, of course, you're changing the filter. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is if you look in your owner's manual or service manual, sometimes you'll find that they recommend changing the oil filter more often than they change changing the oil itself. Right. Yep. Vitally important. So, mm-hmm. you know, these, uh, these service manuals, the owner's manual, both are good sources. I'd say service manual may be a, a step above because that'll give you a little more information. Yeah. But, um, you know, look in there and you may be surprised at the uh, the frequency that they suggest versus what you've been told all along. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm i doing an experiment with uh, my poor old Monte Carlo right now, too. I'm probably about it's I, I, I'm about four thousand, four thousand, five thousand uh, since my last oil change. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think that I need it every 3,000 because I'm, you know, it's a daily driver, but I'm pretty much just going to work. You are doing nothing wrong, my friend, because um, I looked up in um, in my service manual. Mm-hmm. Or my, Which you have here today. I have my owner's manual, I should oh, say, yeah. not my service manual. But I found some uh, some interesting stuff here, Ben. I, you know, I do it every three or three months, you know, 3,000 or three months, mm-hmm. as you're supposed to. And you have ever since I've known and, you. And I do, I, I sometimes will push it a little bit if I'm doing some highway driving, um, and I'm going to throw in one little uh, exception here, okay. is that as my car gets older, because it has, you, you and I both have high mileage cars. Mine right. has 162,000 on it, mm-hmm. I think, right now. Mine's about 168, 169. Uh, about every 1,500 miles or so, I burn, I go through a about a quart of oil. Oh, really? So okay. I know to check it at about 1,500 miles and add one quart. You know, that's, wow. that's what I do. I check it all the time and, and keep up with it, but... 
Um, if it was still operating in you know the the way that it did early on, it wasn't consuming any oil. Right. I found out today that Ben, I could have been going ten thousand miles or one year between oil changes. That's what's recommended in my owner's manual. Man, I love a Civic. Now, dude. severe severe use would be five thousand miles or six months. And that's, I mean, that's still above what we get from the, what we hear from the normal oil change. Absolutely. Places, uh, your standard fast change. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple other things that surprised me on this, you know, as we're talking about maintenance and maintenance schedules and, you know, it, each car has its own chart and graphs that, that you can find in the, uh, in the owner's manual. And you'll be surprised at some of the, uh, some of the duration that things can, can last. I guess the longevity of some parts in your car. Cause I had always heard, uh, spark plug changes. Um, well, let me, let me quiz you. Okay. What have you heard? What have you heard about spark plug changes in the in the past? Do you remember how how long they say between spark plug changes? Uh, okay, so I've heard contradicting things about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. No, so it's okay. There's no wrong I, answer because one of the recommendations I've got that I was actually going to bring up later in this podcast was sixty thousand. Sixty thousand. Okay, that's longer than I have ever heard. I've ever heard either twenty five thousand or fifty thousand mm. is what I heard. Now you heard sixty. And let me tell you, Ben, you're you're still way off on this. Oh no! Modern modern engines yeah. and modern spark plugs. Uh, now again, this is modern vehicles, so you know maybe that's the difference. One hundred and ten thousand miles, Ben, is what spark plugs should last in in my car, for one example. Oh yeah, now, okay. I've got another one. A two thousand Nissan Xterra mm-hmm. is uh, right around there, one hundred and five thousand. Okay, so you know these are lasting a lot longer than you know in the past. Now I know that. Recommendations change, so you know you look sure. up the information for uh, you know the, that that nineteen seventy eight Trans Am that I had. Yeah, uh, twenty five thousand. You probably do need new plugs. Yeah, if, if yeah. not before that, because it was probably burning oil like crazy. And then there's also, um, you know, side note on the spark plugs. Part of it is that spark plugs last so much longer now because they're iridium tipped. Yeah. So the technology, as you say, is changing, and this can this means that a uh, in some cases. One model year to the next might have different service uh, constraints and requirements. Scott, I've got a little, I got a little list I wanted to get your feedback on. Sure. All right, and this is this is kind of long, so I'll, I'll be brief with it, and I'll just go through kind of laundry list style. All right. All right. These are some recommendations from uh, our buddies over at CarMD.com. Let me see how you feel about this. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So they say they have it broken down by mileage and maintenance. So at 7,500 miles, oil, oil filter, brake pads, and rotors. Okay. Makes sense? Sure. Okay. And they also they note that oil and oil filter are the single most important maintenance procedure. Oh, definitely. That, that's one that you need to just, you have to keep up with that regularly throughout the life of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to have a short life for that vehicle. Yeah. Very uh, short. All right. Uh, brake pads, rotors, as we said, um, you know, stopping's important, <laughs> uh, especially if you feel brake shutter. Okay, but, you know, you mentioned all these brake parts and, and equipment, but that kind of depends on the type of driving you do as well. If you do a lot of highway driving, there's a good chance that your brakes are going to last a lot longer than they would if you do a lot of stop-and-go city driving. Right, because you're not hitting them as much. Or at least the brake pads would. I don't know, maybe maybe there's, uh, you know, other things that I'm not thinking, other factors with highway driving that I'm not considering. Yeah. Higher speeds, trying to stop a vehicle from a higher speed has its own pitfalls. Sure. Or if you're always driving in really busy traffic, you'll have short bursts of high speed and then a lot of stop and go. Mountainous areas where it's very intense braking. Great call. So uh, there's all kinds of factors that go into these things. And then drum brakes. Sorry. I still have a bad, <laughs> bad feeling about them. All right. 15,000 miles. This is when we get our tire rotations and our air filters. Is that correct? Sure. Quick question about air filters. How often do you think, we all know the old stereotype, right? of the guys who try to upsell unsuspecting customers by coming in with a really ratty-looking, just tore-up, filthy air filter and saying, this is your air filter, we should change it. Mm-hmm. How often do you think that actually happens? Is that a tall tale? Oh, you know what? I, I don't, Boy, Ben, I don't know. I don't want to put they, you in the spot. Do they keep one on hand like that is just beat up and, and covered in, in dust bunnies, you mean? Is that what you're talking about? See, I think, I think they couldn't do that, even if somebody really did. I've never... I've never in my life run into someone who really did that. The worst I've ever run into is someone just recommending uh, unneeded maintenance. Yeah, okay. I, I know that that happens all the time. I'm going to say as far as people um, you know, being just outright deceptive and holding up one that is a uh, kind of a, a model yeah, surely um, air that. filter, I don't know. I'm going to say that places are more reputable than that now because yeah. they have a lot more to lose now, it seems like. People can catch them at things like Word this. Word gets around. Exactly right. Maybe the consumer reporter from the... Uh, from the uh, the local news station is is bringing in a uh, <laughs> you know a, a dummy vehicle for them to, to work on mm-hmm. and see what they say. You yeah. know you know what I mean, right? I you know don't want exactly to be part of an mean. investigation. Yeah, the I uh, Channel Five investigation. Right? Yeah, uh, thirty thousand miles transmission fluid, drive belt, coolant hoses. 
Hmm, sure. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, as we said, they said 60000 for spark plugs. Um, but as as you have pointed out... Again, check your owner's manual, check your service manual, because you'll find that some of these parts and, and fluids will last twice as long as the recommended, uh, you know, the recommended interval for changing, I suppose. If you go by a standard general thing, you've got to yeah. go for specifically what your vehicle is, is made to withstand or made to, uh, right. the, the standards that it's built to. I think it's fair to say that there's, there's not really a silver bullet solution, maintenance, overall maintenance solution that applies to every car because, n- even just when you factor in the differences between the vehicles themselves and then add on top of that the uh, differences between an individual's use over time and then whomever they resold it to, yeah, you got to learn your vehicle. Here's a crazy example. You remember that rally car that we talked about where it required a complete engine overhaul oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. 10 hours? Yeah. So, it, I mean, it depends on your use. I mean, that's obviously extreme, extreme use. I mean, 10 hour, or drag racer. Who, uh, who goes one pass and then has to rebuild the engine. Yeah. It's a quarter mile. So, uh, you know, and just a few minutes of idling maybe. So, you know, that's, uh, that's also extreme, but, you know, it depends on how you're using it and, and I guess the, the, the tolerances are the standard that your vehicle is built to initially. Very good point. Like a high performance vehicle, uh, versus one of, like, uh, versus a vehicle that's designed to be more reliable than a performance. Re- right? Requires a little more upkeep. And, yeah. and now we're talking about reliability. Yeah. And, uh, so you've got some information on the, uh, the car that's lasted the longest, I guess. Maybe the, as far as miles go. Ah, yes. Well, you want to yeah. talk about, uh, some world record mileage? Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do that. One thing I do want to point out. So just so people don't get, uh, don't get perturbed with us, Scott. Is that yes, the timing belt's also on our list and that, that one had a recommendation of a hundred thousand miles. A lot of people I know just don't check it until it pops. That is an extreme hazard. And you know what? Around a yeah. hundred thousand miles on, on my vehicle, I was unaware of this, Ben. Yeah. Around a hundred thousand, I started asking around about the timing belt and what yeah. I should do and what, you know, how much, how much was going to cost. And it was causing a lot of panic with, uh, within, you know, myself. It was like an, <laughs> an internal conflict. Like, as I knew my car was running fine, but I had to have this done and it's an expensive repair. Yeah. Semi expensive. It's a lot more expensive if you let it go and it breaks. That's oh, for yes. sure. I mean, isn't everything. And that's why I wanted to do it. But the problem was, you know, my wife's car is getting to be about the same mileage about the same time. So oh, I was thinking, yeah. okay, here's, you know, we got to go to the dealership twice to get this mm-hmm. done or a local person to do it. But it's going to be expensive. And I found out that the engine that's used in her vehicle is the same engine that's used in my vehicle. And they both have chains. They both have timing chains, which is very fortunate because yeah. we don't have to worry about belt replacement. So, right. so you may dodge a bullet on something like that if uh, you may just have the, the tension of the chain te- checked. And, uh, and that's all you have to do. So, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to really investigate this stuff and find out if you need that repair. Because yeah. if you take it in for something like that, someone who's unscrupulous may say, yeah, we changed the timing belt. No uh-huh. problem, sir. And uh, really, it's a timing chain, and it didn't really need anything. So uh, that's the whole idea of those kind of unscrupulous unscrupulous offers. Uh, I think we cover some of that in an earlier podcast. I know we did, yeah. Yeah, but there's so many just there's so many scams, but there are also uh, so many more amazing mechanics that- who will work with you. Like if you run into a mechanic who says, "I checked your car, and uh, you know it was this problem. It's actually really little." I fixed it for you. Don't worry about it. That's great. 
right? think this is all part of our podcast on how to choose a mechanic or That's something right. like that. That's right. Yeah, right? yeah, was, yeah. Uh, you know, it, we went over some of the good and the bad, and it mm-hmm. turns out that there's really a lot of really great mechanics out there. Yeah, and uh, just for anyone who hasn't heard that episode, do pay attention. Uh, you'll enjoy it, and we'd love to hear what you say about it, especially if you're a mechanic. One of my favorite things that we found, which I have not done because I feel like it's a little dishonest, one of my favorite things we found in the course of the research for that was the recommendation that you go to a, if you're going to figure out if you can trust a new mechanic, that you show up there with a flat tire hmm. and see if they, if they just fix the plug, plug it for you or if they charge you. And I thought that was a heck of a lot to go through. Here's a simple one. You unplug one spark plug wire and kind of limp into the, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and see what they tell you. Yeah. You know, cause it's a known problem. You know, right. and it may cost you a few bucks, but then you know if uh, you know if the person is reputable or not. And right. There's, I don't know. I, I'm kind of fifty-fifty about that trick. I, I don't think it's. See, the thing is, just the whole concept of trying to figure out if someone is honest by playing a trick on them seems a little defeatist. It's a to little, me. It's a little dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. You're checking someone's honesty with some dishonesty. Exactly. I don't think that's fair. Anyway, we're, we're digressing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, we're back to world record mileage. Back to world record. Okay. Uh. To our hats off to you, our super producer, Noel. Uh, could we have a drum roll, please, sir? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. The car with the world's highest mileage, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, is a 1966 Volvo P1800S uh, from the great state of New York in the United States. Uh, would you like to guess how many miles it has? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this. All right, so I will guess. I'm going to guess if this is a car, not a not a big rig, because I know these guys do it right. regularly. They, yeah. they, I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's just over a million miles. Uh, okay, you're you're going to go higher because technically you're correct. It is over a million miles. Oh, I'm saying j- like a million miles. Oh no, okay, yeah. In in December 2010, it was two million eight hundred and fifty thousand miles. He is approaching three million miles. Oh, he's exceeded it now in a car. He's exceeded it now. No kidding. Yeah, and that Volvo, um, which is a great advertisement for Volvo, as of 2010, it was still being driven on a daily basis because it was going to car shows. You said that was a P1800S, right? Yeah, yeah. That is a, that's a sharp-looking car. I remember the body yeah, style. Yeah. Those. those are really cool with little, Mid-60s, fin, little yeah. fins on the back. Uh, I like that design a lot. By a guy named Irvin Gordon, who officially gets the Car Stuff Prize for Best Maintenance Maverick. Oh, what's the prize? A pat on the back? A firm uh, handshake? I guess just announcing that he won. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so uh, do not wait by the mailbox for your free T-shirt or anything yeah, like it, that. You know what? I know it still holds the world record, but uh, I'm going to find out what's been happening with it recently, and I'll come back with uh, with some news on that next Man, time we record. You know, we're going to hear about this in the news when he tops $3 million. I think he already has, has dude, because that's it was just under... Just under um, like one hundred fifty thousand short of three million in December two thousand ten. This guy gets around. This guy is. This guy literally gets around. He really does. I mean, man, I, I wonder the the things that he's seen in those uh, nearly three million miles. Yeah, it's. That's, I mean, again, that's a f- that number is four years old. This guy is obviously over three million miles, and the only disadvantage I see about this for him. Because I'm sure it's great for his reputation for Volvo. Volvo's got to love this guy. But uh, I wonder if he's still under warranty. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. You know what? That's a thing. Yeah, that that is a thing. The warranty is an issue. And I found out some other interesting warranty facts, I guess, along the way when I was going through my owner's manual. Yeah. And, uh, and just some of the uh, the research material that we we dug up for some of these things, some of these stories that we were reading. They said you should really check out your car's warranty information that comes with the vehicle when it's new and find out exactly what's covered because some items are covered beyond warranty. And that made me think, okay, well, what the heck does beyond warranty mean? You know, right. how, how far beyond warranty? Mm-hmm. And so I looked up in the, in my owner's manual or some supplementary information that came along with it. It's, there's a, there's a specific warranty packet that comes along with it. And, there are different warranty standards that are that are set for federal and for California emissions, or what they call California emissions, which actually here in the states covers California, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, and Vermont. Hmm. And so you'll find that you know all these different things that are listed here, you know, like the fuel injection system or the the crankcase control system, things like that. They have different ratings and you know in months and mileage between federal and Cal- what they call the California cars, and. I found it interesting that there's a couple of exceptions to these rules that go beyond, you know, the standard warranty. Because, you know, back in 2005 when my car was new, I think it had a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. 
okay. on a lot of th- different things. And you'll find that if you go down this list, and I'll show you the list here, there's many things, two pages long yeah. of warranty items and what's covered, what's not, and how long they're covered, In again, in months and mileage. And the standouts are, there's seven standouts on this. And you know most of them are 336, as I mentioned. Some are three, three years, 50,000 miles. But then there's others that go way beyond that. And just as one example, mm-hmm. um, the fuel tank, you know, like the, uh, including the fuel tank vapor liquid separation unit and the vapor control valves, things like that. What about the, okay. Yeah. Those, those are, those are covered for seven years, 70,000 miles. Wow. So that's a significant amount of time beyond pretty, the standard warranty. Pretty confident, Honda. Yeah, I guess. I guess <laughs> so there's a couple that go beyond that, but, um, the, uh, the other ones, let's see, I'll, I'll mention just two more here. Yeah. Um, the others are, let's see, the, uh, the variable valve timing control actuator. Mm-hmm. Again, 770. Another one that's 770 is the intake manifold assembly. For whatever reason, they, they warranty that, you know, double what wow. the standard warranty yeah. would be. Then there's three, or two items rather, that are, that are, uh, warrantied for eight, eight years, 80,000 miles, which are, are significantly above yeah. the what are standard. They? What are that's they? the catalytic converter. Uh-huh. And the engine control module, which are both emissions items, so yeah. kind of makes sense that they would warranty those a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. And you wouldn't find that you know a lot of things, you know, happen before that. I guess you know that uh, you know you're not going to have any problem with your catalytic converter earlier than eighty thousand miles. But I bet when you get it to about a hundred thousand, you're going to find a lot of cars have problems with their yeah. catalytic, and that's just out of warranty. And that's where everybody gets really frustrated with cars. So that's probably that's probably why they did it. Which this brings me to something else, Scott, that yeah. we should talk about too. The old question that we have heard before on this show. How long can your car last? Is the mileage in some way like an expiration date? And let's not, let's not get into the whole argument about planned obsolescence and whether, you know, that's a real thing. Um, but just kind of the rule of thumb. Yeah. Is there one? Yeah, there is kind of a rule of thumb that has been around for a while with autom- automobiles. And I'll, I'll go back to the 1950s. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, starting with the, about the 1950s until about the 1960s, you could roughly expect your cars to last about, you know, this is with routine maintenance. So you're okay. doing all your preventative stuff, you know, yeah. just as you would. But no, like, big rebuild or anything. No, 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 exactly. This is, uh, you can expect them to last about 100,000 miles. That's, uh, that's fairly typical. That was kind of the lifetime of a vehicle. And I've heard that for years. I mean, 100,000. You know, about 100,000 miles, and that's about it, right? Ooh. That's all the way through the 1960s. But by the time we got to about the 1990s, um, the longevity of a car increased significantly. I mean, the reliability, the longevity, the long-term use of the car yeah. went up to about 200,000 miles. So it doubled uh, by about 1990. And through the 90s, that was about the same. But now, you know, as we're in, you know, like the 2014 now, sure, you uh, you can pretty much expect a new car if you keep up with the, the service schedules and the maintenance and mm-hmm. everything, you know, even just oil changes and the really simple routine stuff. You can expect your car to last about two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand miles on average, and that's not everybody's you know situation. I mean, I right. know that there's dramatic extremes, mm-hmm. you know, one way or the other. I mean, take that guy, you know, with, I don't know what year that vehicle was that made it to almost three million miles, mm-hmm. probably sixty-six. Uh, so okay, so nineteen sixties, his car was expected to go probably about a hundred thousand miles, mm-hmm. and he, here he is, you know, approaching three million miles. So you understand there's uh, there's variation in this, but you know, it you got to think about it this way too. You know, at at about fifteen thousand miles per year, it would take more than thirteen years to reach about two hundred thousand miles, and yeah. that's you know fifteen thousand. That's I think that's the national average here in the United States, something like that. Mm-hmm. Fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. So, 
do most people really keep a, a new car that long anyways? I mean, because I think that this mileage thing comes up with people buying used cars. Yeah, that's I, that's a really good point. I think that it, this is more of a concern with somebody who buys a car off of a used lot that has 150,000 miles, and they say, oh, boy, I don't know, 150,000, I can't really expect to get much more out of this than this year. Right, uh, yeah. So I'm only going to pay X number of dollars for it. But the honest truth is you may be able to get double that out of that car, so you may be able to hang on to that for another 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, if you drive 15,000 miles a year. And that's not bad, really. And if you have a used car, to flip it a little bit, if you have a used car that you're seeking to sell yourself, then records are your friend. People will trust you much more if you just keep a little logbook where you write down the date of repairs. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I mean, think about, I mean, you gotta really think about this. You know, that car that you buy today in 2027 is going to have 200,000 miles on it. Are you going to still going to have that car that you bought new off the lot, you know, this year? Yeah. Likely not. You're, you're likely going to trade it in, but the next person, they may need to consider that. They may need mm-hmm. to think, all right, it's going to approach, you know, 300,000 miles. I, I will have an expiration on this car at some point. You know, I'm going to have to worry about this, but it has to be a vehicle that was built now. You can't go to a lot right now and buy a car from the 1970s and ex- <laughs> expect it to get 300,000 miles. Just off magic. It would have to be something that's relatively new that has, you know, th- these higher tolerances, yeah. these better standards. You know, the, the cars now, we've talked about this so many times, Ben, but cars are built in, in such clean environments and to uh, such high tolerance. Or, I mean, uh, you know, the tolerances are so great on these cars. Am I saying that the right way? Yeah. They're, they're built yeah. very tight compared to what they were. It was a little more fast and loose with the way that they built them in the past. Not that they weren't great engines. They weren't great, you know, systems overall. Well, they didn't have the benefit of the, uh, uh they didn't have the benefit of the, all the software and the massively intelligent computers that we're using. The extreme precision machines sure. that, that yeah. put together some of these cars that we, that we oh, yeah. own and drive today. Mm-hmm. And it makes a huge difference in the longevity of them. And, and we're seeing that with, you know, the mileage jumping up from, you know, 100,000 in the 50s and 60s all the way up to, you know, three hundred thousand now. I mean, if you can, if you bought a car now expecting that, yeah, you know, I can, it can last three hundred thousand. Uh, that puts a whole different spin on on your attitude as to whether you should buy a car or not. Really, I mean, is mm-hmm. it going to be worth it? Because think people think, am I going to have this thing paid off when I'm done paying it off in four years or oh, five yeah, years? Yeah, you know, what's the mileage going to be? Is it worth hanging on to? Well. Sure, maybe at this point it is. Sure, yeah, if I buy a used car and finance it, am I going to be saddled with a car note for if, a car that doesn't exist? If you're planning for the long term, then maybe it does make sense for you. We've, yeah. we've had that argument as well because yeah, we've been yeah. doing this for a while. Yeah, right, and uh, let alone the idea of leasing a vehicle. Yeah. But well, that's a story for another day. Uh, yeah, I think it's one we've already told. As a matter it, of fact. it is, so, it is. Oh, you know what, one... Yeah. Last thing, I mean, man, yeah, yeah. one last thing, and this is uh, this is kind of important. I'll, I'll I'll just really quickly hit it. Yeah. The problem when you take your car to the dealership sometimes is that uh, the service manager is there telling you or holding in his hand. Oh yeah. A clipboard. Right. With that maintenance rundown that you gave earlier. Mm-hmm, you know, that list. Yeah. When you come in and you have thirty five thousand miles in the car, and he says. I know you're here for an oil change, and we can get that done for you. In, but it's in, time to do your brakes. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, we also would like to inspect the uh, the timing belt at this time, mm-hmm. and we're going to rotate those tires for you. Uh, your coolant is a little muddy. Yeah. Not sure what happened, but probably need a flush. Good it. point. And I noticed that your uh, your brake reservoir is a little bit low, so that means that indicates wear on the pad, so we mm-hmm. better check that system for you, out of, or for you as well. Um, Oddly enough, the wear on your tires is a bit abnormal. 
Uh, so we're just going to go ahead. And sometimes the way they talk about it, and they're being very helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Especially sometimes they can't. Dealer, de- dealership. But sometimes the way they talk about it, it may, uh, especially if you're uncomfortable, it might make you feel like they're already doing it. But you can always say, don't do it. Yeah, that's right, because it's suggested maintenance at that point. Right. Because you're in there for an oil change. Just get the say, I'd like to get, you can be polite about it. You can yeah. say, you know, I'll have the oil change done right now. But I'll, I'll think about the tire rotation. I'll think sure. about having you check out that other stuff. But today, let's just stick with the plan. You, and don't feel bad about doing that. The thing is, you don't want to rush in that situation when you're there and make a, make a decision that they could cost you a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, that's suggested maintenance and it's, and it's actually a nice service that they provide that they say, you know, we recommend you do this to keep your car running in the yeah. future. I get that. I understand. Think but, of it like an alarm clock or a reminder on your phone. But, but the other angle of this, and you have to look at both sides, the service manager makes a little bit of money on, on, you know, what he sells you that, you know, he's, he's successful if he sells you this package deal. Oh, I see. Because it's something that's yeah. going to come at a cost. It's not something they do for free typically. So look at both sides of it. The, the overall angle here, the overall message that I want to tell you is don't rush because there's a lot of money that, that could be spent unnecessarily at this point and and just maybe go home think about it mm-hmm. uh, maybe do a little bit of research on everything and find out you know is it really time for me to to change those spark plugs at thirty five thousand? Sure. Yeah. because i just heard on car stuff the car stuff podcast that hey that that 2005 honda didn't need it for 10 years and yeah. 110,000 miles right maybe that's more typical but let me see what my car requires and you know what that's that's such a great point i want to add on to this as well uh there's nothing better than going under the hood of your car yourself. Even if you don't think that you'll find the problem or be able to tell the difference between something, you absolutely can. All you need, just have, have a, have a little bit of a homework time with yourself, sure. do a little bit of a study hall, and you cannot beat looking at your own car yourself. Sure. And by all means, service managers are good at what they do. They yeah. Really, they oh, yeah, really yeah, are, yeah. But but you just have to look at both sides. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that you should always do. Just be a, a wise consumer. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. So we want to hear who uh, who in the audience has the highest mileage car ever. Yeah, that's right. No yeah. right in with 100,000 miles or even 200,000. I mean, if you've got a car or truck that's hanging out in the uh, the back part of your property there that has... Five hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand, something like that. You think someone's got got something? I like wonder. That? I wonder. Yeah, I really do. I mean, <laughs> I, I wonder if someone's got a uh, a car that they just relentlessly drive on the high, on the highway. You know, a salesman mm-hmm. that uh, that is constantly putting eight hundred miles a day on a car. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of people that we want to talk to. Some of my, uh, it's funny. One of my friends growing up, his family had a car that had been with them for like three generations, and they called it the Roamer. Um, because- <laughs> It was horrible, but it was always for like the kids when they could start driving. Sure. To to drive around because, you know, they weren't going very far. It doesn't matter if you bump something in a parking yeah. lot. And then they would end up taking on road trips where it always broke down. Oh. <laughs> but oh. they would still so, repair. So no lesson learned. <laughs> not not for two generations easily. <laughs> but uh but yeah, we'd love we'd love to hear those stories. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter where we are Car Stuff HSW. You can also check out our own website. That's right. We're uh, moving on up to the east side of the internet. We are carstuffshow.com. Big time. Big time. We're fine. You know, we should change the name of our show to Big Time. Maybe. 
<laughs> and in the meantime, uh, if you have suggestions for an upcoming episode, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Send us an email at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.